Welcome back everyone to another episode of BBP News. I'm Nicholas Rod and I'm here for another Monday morning episode. Chris is not with me once again. I am alone, but the news is still here. I'm still here, you know. We've got a beautiful Monday morning show here. Happy 4th of July, everyone. But before we get into anything else or get into any conversations about 4th of July, let's start off with the weather headed into this week and the weather that we're going to see on this 4th of July. In Los Angeles, California, it'll be mostly clear today with a high of 80, and for the rest of the week, just so you know, Los Angeles, completely clear. I'm a little jealous. Houston, Texas will also be mostly clear with a high of 95. In Chicago, Illinois, it'll be mostly cloudy with a high of 89, and in New York City, it'll be mostly clear with a high of 84. So a pretty clear day across the board. Maybe not Chicago necessarily, but Still, pretty nice day, I'd say, for 4th of July. And, you know, just a really nice day overall. And the weekend's been gorgeous. And I've had two nights of fireworks going on near my house. And honestly, some people get annoyed when they hear fireworks near their house. I really enjoy it. It's kind of relaxing to me. I don't get annoyed by it. I find it quite fascinating, actually. I prefer them farther away than close up. Um... <laughs> When I was really young, I hated fireworks. They terrified me because I can't see them. So to me, they were just a loud bang, you know, back in the day. Just a constant, loud, very loud bang, even with like earmuffs on or whatever else. Um, now I can enjoy them a little more. I saw fireworks a couple years ago um, and they were cool you know not being able to see them obviously takes a lot of the excitement out of it but it is cool to watch them go up because i can still see the lights of them go up in the sky and that part's actually really cool almost like it's almost just fascinating watching the lights like that just go up into the sky and disappear um little on the edge of creepy but really cool at the same time however when you're watching them at least from my perspective and you're kind of close up right still kind of far away but close enough it, it feels like they're going off right at your feet and that is a little terrifying in itself so it's a bit of a rush you know but it's also really fun i don't know how to really explain it better than that but I, i'll still take fireworks further away you know, that's more what I enjoy. So the ones that I'm hearing as I'm recording right now, pretty relaxing, pretty enjoyable. But other than that, pretty quiet 4th of July. Uh, I have no plans for this 4th of July. Just going to be kind of hanging out, you know, and just enjoying the day, doing some work. But other than that, nothing too fancy. But that's fine. I don't need anything fancy, right? Like, I don't need this huge cookout or this giant celebration for 4th of July. I just don't need it. So I'm going to enjoy the day. It's going to be a beautiful day. Maybe I'll get outside. I don't know yet. But either way, it's going to be a fun time. And I hope your guys' 4th of July is equally as nice as mine. And hopefully Chris's is as well. Unfortunate that he can't be here with us. But that's enough chit-chat. That's enough dilly-dallying let's get into the news here and we start off with a supreme court decision that was made on the last day of the term so in their final day of the term 
the Supreme Court dropped two pretty major decisions. The first one has to do with the Environmental Protection Agency, otherwise known as the EPA, and their ability to control greenhouse gas emissions under the Clean Air Act. The case surrounded an EPA climate plan known as the Clean Power Plan, which looked to reduce the country's reliance on coal-burning power plants and reduce the amount of electricity produced by burning coal from 38% to 27% by the year 2030, essentially trying to lessen the emissions going into the atmosphere from these types of plants. The way that the EPA intended this to happen was through a method known as generation shifting. This plan was made up of three building blocks, the first to increase efficiency at coal-burning plants through heat rate improvements. The second was to have coal-burning plants transition to natural gas plants, and the third building block was to move away from coal and natural gas in favor of renewable energy sources such as wind and solar. However, in a 6-3 decision that followed the conservative-liberal split between the justices, the Supreme Court struck down this plan, and in the opinion written by Chief Justice Roberts and joined by the other five conservative justices, several reasons were cited as to why this was. The first was that the plan caused undue harm to plants throughout the industry. Chief Justice Roberts wrote, quote, EPA's own modeling concluded that the rule would entail billions of dollars in compliance costs to be paid in the form of higher energy prices, require the retirement of dozens of coal-fired plants, and eliminate tens of thousands of jobs across various sectors, end quote. It was decided that these potential costs were too much to ignore, partially leading to the final decision of the court. The other major reason for the decision was that the court felt that the EPA had exceeded their authority granted to them by Congress under the Clean Air Act. Their argument behind this was that the Clean Power Plan would give the EPA control over industries such as hotels and other businesses, which they had never had any control over before now. Along with that, Roberts wrote that the EPA was not being limited to set fair standards for energy expectations, and that they could set energy caps as they see fit. This all leads something that could affect how Congress handles business in the future. The reason for this is because the opinion from the court essentially explains that if Congress intends to delegate a certain power to an agency, it must explicitly state that granted authority when passing legislation. To sum it all up, the Supreme Court has not eliminated the EPA's ability to regulate emissions entirely, not even close, but what it has done is eliminate generation shifting as a means for regulation and has set a more overarching precedent stating that Congress needs to specify its granting of authority to agencies. Meanwhile, the dissenting opinion from the three liberal justices on the court called this a tragic step backwards in the fight against climate change, and this is a message that has been echoed by President Biden, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, along with many climate experts. Now, the other decision that the Supreme Court made that day, and the last one of the term, was the end of the Remain in Mexico policy. The decision on this was 5-4, to four, with Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Kavanaugh joining Liberal Justices Kagan, Sotomayor, and Justice Breyer in the decision. 
The Remain in Mexico policy, in case you aren't aware, stated that Department of Homeland Security agents had to return migrants to Mexico while they await asylum in the United States. This was a policy enacted under the Trump administration, but was quickly halted by the Biden administration when he first took office in 2021. Court battles then ensued over the halting and subsequent termination attempt by DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, and the federal courts eventually forced the Biden administration to reinstate the policy. This saw the Remain in Mexico policy go back into effect in late 2021. However, Mayorka still wanted to bring an end to the policy and continued that work into this year. And this time, the case was taken up by the Supreme Court. In the decision written by Chief Justice Roberts, the court decided that the federal appellate court that heard the case before was in the wrong when they said that the federal government was forced to continue the policy. This opened the door for the Mayorkas and the Biden administration to officially end the policy. From here, the Biden administration does not have to do anything further to end the policy. However, the administration could still face a legal battle as it could be possible for states to challenge the case on the basis on how the Biden administration went about ending the policy. Now, with today being July 4th, it is a good time to take a look at all of the expected numbers for this holiday, such as the number of people expected to travel, as well as some of the numbers you could be seeing today. To start off, we will look at travel. According to AAA, 47.9 million people were expected to travel 50 miles or more for this 4th of July. That is the most we have seen since 2019, and beyond that, 42 million of those people were expected to travel by car during this holiday. This is an all-time record in the nation's history, even with gasoline prices being at their all-time high across the nation. And just as a note, the national average for a gallon of gas is currently $4.81, and that is according to AAA. At the same time, air travel was expected to see its lowest number since 2011, with only 3.55 million people expected to travel by plane for the holiday. And AAA believes that the main reasons for the low levels of air travel surround many recent issues that have been occurring, along with the fear of delays and cancellations. On the topic of spending, the price for July 4th this year is expected to be much higher than it has been in recent years. For example, the fireworks industry has increased 35% in costs, and things like meat and poultry are up approximately 14%. Costs on things like bread, beverages, and other foods have also gone up, and overall, the price for a 10-person cookout was said to have increased by 11% this year. All that being said, Americans all across the country are expected to continue celebrating as usual, and according to polls, 60% of Americans were expected to fire up the grill for the 4th of July. If you are wondering what has been driving up the prices for the holiday, the answer is inflation. The nation's inflation rate currently stands at 8.6% from a year ago, which equals the worst inflation we have seen in 40 years. This has driven up prices in many different industries, including food, gas, etc. And supply chain issues have also played a role in the fluctuating prices, as they are still trying to recover from problems experienced during the pandemic.
Now, if you haven't received your tax refund from the IRS, you are not the only one. The IRS reported recently that at the end of May, they had a backlog of 21.3 million tax returns that still needed to be processed. This amount is about 1.3 million more than last year at the same time. The IRS says that most of the problem has stemmed from paper returns. Before the pandemic, the IRS would deliver refunds to paper filers in approximately four to six weeks. But now, however, they say that it is taking more than six months to deliver those same refunds, with 10 months being the average wait time. And along with that, 17 million people filed paper returns this past year. The reasoning for falling behind is because they have not been able to keep up with the pace to match new receipts coming in, and the IRS has said that they hope to get their backlog back to a healthy standing by the end of this year. However, we have not yet gotten a clear definition as to what that means, and they also have not given any details as to how they will go about quickening their pace to lessen the backlog. The IRS says that this has also impacted other areas, such as taking phone calls. According to the IRS, they got 73 million calls during the 2022 tax filing season and only answered 10% of those calls. In a mandatory report to Congress, a national taxpayer advocate expressed extreme concerns about the current situation, stating that the delays being experienced right now are costing the American people millions of dollars in refunds. For some, she says that those refunds could be a significant portion of their yearly household income, especially for those that get earned income tax credit benefits. Now getting into rapid news, Toyota has issued a recall on many of their 2022 Tundra vehicles, saying that there are nuts that could come loose and come off, causing major axle and brake malfunctions. And a shooting took place at a mall in Copenhagen over the weekend. Three people were killed and three were critically injured. A 22-year-old suspect has been taken into custody with a rifle and ammunition. But now getting into our good news story for today, we just have a story of creativity right here. I had to include it purely because I was amazed by this. 22-year-old Chris Conrad has been working on origami for about 12 years, but he only started doing complex origami work over the past couple of years, since the summer of 2020, essentially. And... He made a project, he, he took on a project that is just absolutely stunning. He made a 19-foot piece of paper, which he then turned into a 5-foot-9 statue. Think about it, he made a 19-foot sheet of paper. And then managed to origami that, I don't know, if it's a verb now, I don't know if it was before, but it is now. <laughs> he managed to origami that into a five foot nine statue. Five foot nine. All out of one sheet of paper. That is remarkable. This entire project took him about 65 hours to complete. Creating the sheet of paper alone took him six hours. He has dedicated so much time to this. And this is not the only project he's done like this. He's been doing, like I said, complex projects for the past two years, and he'll spend 20 hours a week on these projects. 20 hours a week. He spends a part-time job amount of time uh, fixing up, not fixing up, but creating these origami structures, or in this case, statues. (laughs) This is remarkable. You know... 
I couldn't even imagine making like an origami swan, you know, the classic origami swan, right? It's the thing that people fawn over, the thing that you see in like cartoons or whatever. It's just from my memory anyway. But a five foot nine origami statue. That's remarkable. And the fact that he's doing this and the fact that he's taking so much time and puts in so much effort on these projects is just so cool. My thought is keep it up, Chris, because that, that's a talent right there. Like, that is origami to a whole new level. Whole new level. So cool. But that is the end of this Monday morning episode, you guys. We'll be back here on Wednesday for an Idiot in the News episode, and then back again on Friday for a wrap-up in the news week. But until then, follow us on Twitter, you guys. Link in the show notes. Read our midterm articles. Share us around. We're on all platforms. And we'll see you here on Wednesday. Bye, guys.